Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. Which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome, welcome to week two of Riding the Pine. I am Hondo, here with Guy, live from Vencast Studios in Ballard. Hey Guy, this has been an amazing week in basketball. A lot of news, so we're going to get right into it. We're going to get right into it with some some big things coming out from the NBA. Some very subtle changes publicized very vocally by announcers, by owners, by players, by fans, that the game... It's too long. It's getting too in- uninteresting. Yeah. And there's too many pauses. There's too many ads. There's too many or commercials. Yeah. And there's so much downtime. Just so let it go. Let's so let we're gonna go. we're gonna bring those 48 minutes back, and yeah. we're gonna keep them moving. The last two minutes of the fourth quarter uh, was designated the uh, penalty of the hackashack rule. Yep. Which is you could follow anyone at any point. Yep. And bring him to the line, and it would be like a detriment to the game because that's not a basketball play. It's just a competitive advantage of using someone who couldn't make free throws, mm-hmm. you know, to make free throws. Yeah. The rule change was it happens not only in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, but at the last two minutes of every quarter. Okay. It's going to de incentivize. Yeah, it's going to de incentivize those, those fouls away from the ball. More to the fact, you can't just intentionally foul someone. Yeah. Through, like, a flagrant mean. Like, jumping on someone's back. Yeah, I, like, I heard that was really... Or, like, diving into someone. It's yeah. going to be called a flagrant, and that's so, great. So it, so it falls away from the ball. It's It falls on the inbound that yeah. I heard. And it's yeah. it's really the flagrant, the extreme kind of flagrant, no jumping on backs and that's all right. kinds of that stuff. So is there anything else beyond that? I was, uh, I was kind of reading through that. I think those were the core changes. Those are the core changes. You know, there might be some emphasis changes. Like, yeah. you know, a big thing this year was traveling. There was a lot of uncalled travels. It was being exposed <laughs> on, like, you know, some, like, TNT... Do, 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 do we as fans even expect that traveling is called in the NBA anymore? I mean, we know it's not, but they're, <laughs> they're going to probably emphasize some other traveling calls. Okay. And I think they're probably going to um, look at offensive fouls, too, like driving into someone yeah. who's standing still. Yeah. And having a bigger emphasis on the defensive end, like side with the defensive end more than the offender. 
Okay. Person okay. driving in might have to be a little bit more cautious. Okay. Okay. Um, I, but but maybe that's okay. Maybe yeah. that's okay. They're going to have to play with it. Uh, the use of cameras is going to have to be a big part of this whole process. Definitely. And I, I hope they continue exploring an option of either additional refs or more cameras. Or, yeah. You know, just to speed things up. Like, sure. they have this little, like, you know, Secaucus, New Jersey replay <laughs> booth center yeah. that every replay goes to, every yeah. con- controversial call goes to. Yeah. And they get an official ruling to. That really slows the game down. They got to speed yeah. things up. They don't want to use that all the time. But you, so the one the one part that I really hated about last season in, in play calling was the fact of play calling at the end of the game to change the course of the outcome of the game. Well, once it once the game is called, in my opinion, it's over. So yeah. so stop with that NBA because it's like once once the it's time kind of runs out, it's like, once the time runs out, it's done. It's like you're not going to change the outcome. Don't say, "Oh, we fucked up, and we're not going to change anything about what we did." Yeah, yeah. The game is over. Move on. Yeah. So okay, I, making the referees um, responsible for their own action and kind sure. of exposing their sure. Work. Yeah, but I mean they're human. Make they're, them accountable. They're gonna but make. They're human. They're making mistakes. It's it's calibrated into the game. You know what's happening. Okay. Don't release the last two minutes of close <laughs> games to the public. It's just it's just asking for no no ridicule. It's, it, no, it's it's, it's asking for an immense amount of ridicule. It needs to go away. And I think that some of the owners have been kind of on that front of just yeah. like get this out of my face. Yeah, we've lost. Don't rub it into my fucking wound. You know. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, no, no. I, I I definitely know what you're saying. I guess one one aspect of this whole conversation, do these rule changes do these rule changes have an impact on ball all the way down? Do they have an impact on ball in college, in high school, below that? I mean, do these do these kind of change the nature of the game at all? Um, or is this is this really exclusive to the NBA? I believe it's really exclusive to the NBA because the NBA um, allows for more fouls. Okay. The NBA game um, is longer. Sure. Has more talent. Has more everything. Uh huh. And so those players that couldn't make free throws are exposed. Yeah. And those players that are on college teams that can't make free throws. Yeah. It's always one and one. It's always yeah, like it's always a one and one. You know, it's always um, after a certain threshold. It's always two, regardless of the foul for college and high school. Yeah, you know, one thing that I really wish that they would address and really publicly address yeah. and do the whole shaming and, okay. pu- and publicly show <laughs> clips because they do they did do what? this on occasion. What what is that flopping? It's uh, oh, it's. <laughs> It's like an art that they go to, like, yeah. you know, they go to a little school in the off season and they learn how to act. And <laughs> they do the flop, they do the flopping, they do the flopicopter, yeah. they do the, the Anderson Vergeau, breathe on me and I fall <laughs> to the floor. Oh my God. But they I, need to look into it. Yeah. And it's, don't it, just find the marginal players like the JJ Bereas of the yeah. league. Find the people that are doing it every game. Yeah, make a stand. And make a stand and, and really change the game and, and make it make it fair again. So. Well, speaking of fair, yeah. let's play a little audio clip of like what Adam Adam Silver yeah, um, uh, addressed yeah. about mm-hmm. what's fair and mm-hmm. what um, what he thinks about super teams. And here it is. I'll say, and I and I've read several stories suggesting that that's something that the league wants. This notion of two super teams that it's a huge television attraction. I don't think it's good for the league. Just to be really clear. And um, 
you know, I, I will say whatever, whoever's the prohibitive favorite, I mean, uh, try telling that to the 430 other players who aren't on those two teams. I mean, we have the greatest collection of basketball players in the world in our league, and so I'm not making any predictions, but there's no question. When you aggregate a group of great players, um, they have a better chance of winning than many other teams. On the other hand, there's lots of things that have to happen. We'll see what happens in Golden State. You had a great, great chemistry among a group of players, and you're adding another superstar to the mix. So it, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. But just to be absolutely clear, I do not think that's ideal. All right, and we're back. I want to kind of move from the rules. I, I I think these are these are very interesting rules, and I think the NBA has to continue to continue to evolve and continue to get better. And and I think they're committed to doing that. Um, but the one thing I, I kind of want to stray away from the rules here for a little bit and go, I want to go into kind of live action for the summer yeah. and talk a little bit about summer ball. For sure. So, man. I mean, lo- the Las Vegas tourney is, is off and running. Um, any sort of highlights, any sort of any sort of players? I know that Ben Simmons has just been a beast. Yeah, man. I think this has been a really undersold draft class. Yeah. There's been a lot of talent. I think there's a lot of players in this draft that yeah. will, you know, rise to the occasion when the time comes. Right sure. now, we're kind of really softly speaking on a summer league team. You know, like they're not great players, and the stars are beasting on the star. You know, the stars yeah, are beasting yeah. on the other guys. Sure. So you don't take this for more than just a grain of salt. It's some of, of course. great confidence building uh, games that are being played. Yeah. You have the stars like Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Chris Dunn. Got to be happy about Chris Dunn just yeah. coming in, being an impact player. You add that to our to our lineup, Timberwolves fans. We're off and running, man. We coming. <laughs> we coming. What, what, what did uh, what was it Wiggins who said we're going to be a nightmare to play? We're we a nightmare to play, man. And- <laughs> I love the vibe of the Timberwolves, man. I love what's happening. Keep it going. Don't change a thing. We brought in a lot of little like uh, plugs for the yeah. bench. Yeah. Not like someone who's going to supersede our team, but someone who's or going to rise conflict. But it's just going to be a plug in play player, like a Cole Aldrich, like yeah. a Jordan Hill, mm-hmm. like a you know, yeah. Brandon Rush. But they and, add, they they add depth to our to kind of our core. Our core team. There's some things in flux with the Timberwolves, with Nikola Pekovic being like potentially medically retiring, yeah, or or even KG retiring. Sure, it's he's like in deep conflict right now. Yeah, he can't really you know move his legs, but he wants to really be a yeah. part of a playoff team in Minnesota. He's the he's the only person left from what is it 1997 or or below. Like yeah, he is the oldest player in the league right now. I've never thought about post KG. <laughs> You know? Life after KG, it's tough. It's tough it's as a, a Minnesota tough, fan, as a as a KG fan. It's tough to think about that, but yeah. there there is a transition. You but know, life moves on. And speaking of transition, yes, like the the summer league teams just kind of going on. Like there's a there was a really cool uh, players Tribune style um, series with Devin Booker and Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler's in his like late thirties, yeah, kind of tapering off to the end of his career. Sure. Devin Booker is the start of the star of the team now, the the savior of the Phoenix Suns. Yep. And there was a really cool, you know, uh, story of the old and new. Yeah. Kind of talking about vet versus rookie. Yeah. The transition. Yeah. From the college game to the NBA. Get, let, and let, Phoenix yeah. didn't really look that great when they entered the draft. They came out with Dragon Bender, yeah. who was kind of a risky pick, a Tyler Ulis, who yeah. is like a five, he's like as tall as I am, and <laughs> uh, Marquise Chris, who was coming from, you know, the state of Washington, yeah. and he has a lot of red flags in terms of character, and they are 
beasting, yeah, beasting in the summer league. And these guys, you have to be optimistic. You have to be optimistic if you're a Phoenix in terms fan. of the qu- their quality because they kind of bottomed out. They bought yeah. him at the right time. They got a Devin Booker, and now they have all this yeah. potential depth. But they have building blocks. They have amazing building blocks. Okay, be- before we kind of go into the, the shape of the new teams, let's. I just want to go into just a little bit about kind of the schedule. So, yeah. uh, so I think we're we're going to be wrapping up the the, the tourney's kind of in in full force right now for Las Vegas. What's going on in Orlando? Is is Orlando still going on, or is it's that going to happen? Right, right after. after. Right after. Okay. So, and so we we're, got in the some, sem- we're in the semifinals right now okay. of the Summer League. Basically, they like, play like three or four games. And, and, and by, but, and by we, you mean uh, the Timberwolves. <laughs> uh, they play like three or four games, and they get seeded based on how they perform. And the Timberwolves yeah. were like 0-3. Okay. So they got the last seed or something. And yeah. then they're now, you know, take it for what it is. But they're now in the semifinals against Phoenix. Perfect. And it's pretty cool, man. I think it's just like... It's a nice confidence builder for some of these players that are like trying to get into the league. I love summer league yeah. for what it is. I love these players that have these dreams. Yeah, and they can have legitimate chances with yeah. summer league and the D league. A- absolutely, and I, I think you know as we get into next week, we'll talk about the wrap up of the summer league games, and we'll talk about other winners and losers as we get into it. I, I want to move on from the summer league though because we had some major announcements in basketball this week. Yeah. The first and foremost was the retirement of Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan has been an impact player in this league for a long time, committed to one team for for the entire time. Yeah. Just an, an incredible asset, probably one of the best power forwards the game has ever seen. You know, it's a sad day when you see like a legend like that, a living legend kind of, you know, walk down his step, the last steps. And yeah. he didn't even make it a scene. He literally yeah. played his last game. I think we all saw it coming. Yeah. He's 40 years old, so yeah. we saw it coming. He played like 43 minutes in the last game against OKC. Yeah. I mean, he played all those minutes because Pakovic probably even knew that. Yeah. And he just did one of these like you know casual waves to the fans as he left, as he got eliminated, and he's literally said, "I'm retiring," and that's it. There was no fanfare, there was no farewell tour. He just left. And but it was but like he was classic a Tim Duncan. Exactly, it was classic it was Tim all Duncan. About the professionalism of the game, yeah, the game itself, yeah, and the preparation for the game. He didn't care about. But he, but he is a star. He is a star in the NBA amongst other stars that just doesn't require the fanfare of everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing to have a Tim Duncan when we have when we have James Harden. It's refreshing when you know the off the court antics, even of the legend Kobe Bryant, was was more in the news than his game was. I think Tim Duncan represents what Cal Ripken did in baseball, the and best he, of- he he represents a true athlete committed to his craft. Yeah. Not flashy about it, but he is going to make a tremendous impact. By example alone. By example, but he's going to give back to the NBA. He's giving back to the overall yeah. basketball community. Yeah. He gave back to the city of uh, San Antonio. Just an incredible athlete, incredible commitment. I I can't help but applaud his career, and he belongs in the hall, first vote. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I'll say this, too. It's an interesting time to be following the NBA because we're seeing – an end of an era completely, mm-hmm. and the beginning of a new rise of stars. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a Carl Anthony Towns. We're seeing a Devin Booker. We're seeing an Anthony Davis. We're seeing you know these stars yeah. coming out, and they're team players. Yeah, they're not these selfish pricks. Yeah, like you know, I, I hate saying you know Kobe was one of these guys, but like he was all about everything about him. Sure, LeBron is like everything about him. Yeah, but and I don't want to be negatively talking about them. No, no, they're they're they're, they're tremendous a, athletes, but their their game was focused around themselves. Yeah. A, a lot. There's so a lot 
of team players coming in the NBA. They're seeing a successful model in Golden State. Mm-hmm. They're seeing a successful team model in San Antonio. Yeah, which which you know? is incredible. It's incredible. You're for, seeing a, co- a quiet leader in Kawhi. You're seeing a quiet leader in Clay yeah. and Steph and whatever. And people are emulating that. It's so refreshing. Yeah. You're seeing Carl Anthony Towns. He's such a refreshing talent. Yeah. You're seeing you know Jalen Brown, Chris Dunn, Ben Simmons. They're quiet leaders, and they're gonna. Well, maybe but, not Chris but, Dunn, but yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's okay. I think I think that's what the league and it's about the game. The league needs to be about the game. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't need to be about the money. It doesn't need to be about this. If we have players who are committed to the game, we have a stronger NBA, and that's and that's what I'm committed to. And that's Tim Duncan's footprint on the NBA. He's and that's, he's led by example, mm-hmm. and everyone is like, we aspire to be him. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Tim Duncan retiring. On one hand, it's like, thank God, because he was so hard to watch at times because he could only play 10 minutes, you know, yeah. sports. But the other hand, it was like those that 2000 era of basketball was so much fun to watch. Yeah. There was so much competition with the Wolves, with the Kings, with the Lakers, with the Spurs, with the Mavericks. Yeah. You've never seen so much depth until, you know, like the revamped West. Yeah. Like in this decade. The big man era. Yeah. It, is it, now, it, it's now changed to a perimeter era. But but that's okay. It's that's okay. okay. It's that's okay. The, it's fine. It's the evolution of the game, which... But, which I think like, is no, it, it it it's it's hard knowing what we came from to yeah. to see that evolution, but it's it's a reality, and and I I think he's left a tremendous impact. I want to leave I want to leave the the Tim Duncan story in one note. I I'm sure he'll come up again over the course of the season. His impact on the game. We'll talk about him as he gets introduced into the hall. I I I was laughing, just laughing out loud, looking at Popovich wearing the Tim Duncan T-shirt the other day. Yeah. Just that was like, actually a really hard interview to watch. Uh, the Tim Duncan or the Greg Popovich interview. He was yeah. like in tears the whole time. Yeah. I mean. But but he's just he's left he's always, he's been with Popovich for so long it's just it's the quintessential kind of player coach relationship that's well formed and it's it's great for the game it's great for it's, it's great, great for fans it's great for those athletes it's great for everybody who was part of that system so yeah. I'm I'm incredibly happy about that yeah. I, I want to actually move on to to the ne- next story of the week we saw a major contract extension for James Harden this week yeah so what are you what are your thoughts on that he got a four-year deal I mean he's really solidifying his footprint in Houston but Houston to me doesn't feel like a contender they don't feel like a contender yet so I think they have to continue to make some pretty progressive moves to get themselves back in in, well, in, in, in the middle of the action. I, I won't say never say never with them because it's James Harden. Of course, um, he can take over the league. At any yeah, point. and he'll take more. He'll take shots for an entire team. So, yeah. <laughs> I know, and it's it's hard to watch. It's hard to be a fan for Houston. I think because of the amount of money they've thrown on random people like Parsons and and Dwight Howards and whatever. But with James Harden, it solidifies his role as the lead top dog. Can you play with James Harden? Come to Houston. If you can't. I mean, you're, yeah, you know. but he's so he's basically a franchise player that's yeah. gonna that's gonna require certain people to kind of come around him, and he has that expectation. It's not it's not kind of sorting it out. It's that that is the it's t- James Harden's it's team, top down right there. It's James Harden's team, and you're you're just a part of it. You're part so, of it. Yeah, um, and I'll say this though too: um, Mike D'Antoni is the coach, yeah. of the Rockets now. So they're going to implement some sort of like you know seven seconds or less with. You know Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, and I don't even know who the fuck they have. You know, <laughs> Nene. It's going to be a weird season for them, 
Never say never. I kind of don't think they're they're looking out, you know, from yeah. the playoff scene. But good for them. It's kind of like thirty million dollars a year for Harden. Okay, you know, let's move mm-hmm. on. They can't because they're kind of capped out now. But oh well. Yeah. I'm gonna move into to big into the rumor mill. I'm going into the rumor mill, and there's there's two huge trades, or there there's huge two huge players that are in the rumor mill right now. The first one is Russell Westbrook. After the move with with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook looks like the guy to go after, and, and it's looking like Boston is one of the main contenders. I think with what's happened, I think Westbrook could be on the move. Uh, I think you're 100% right. I think it's going to be a trade deadline move. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to see where they are with Victor Oladipo, Stephen Adams. They're like revamped list, the lineup, you know, with... Steven Adams and some Sabonis draft pick. And <laughs> yeah, of course. Kyle Singler. No, I'm just kidding. And, you know, <laughs> Kyle Singler, Jesus. <laughs> I think um, they're going to see where they're at. They're going to recognize they need a bottom out right now. Yeah. And and I think the only team that can really absorb him, yeah. it's, it's a gamble because he's going to opt out. He's going to be a top commodity, the only, like the biggest commodity. Yeah. And he's going to want to be, you know, fanfared. Yeah, but if he gets, if you could get one good season out of him, and then just see what you can do there, and recognize the 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 brotherhood that's Boston, the love of basketball in Boston, yeah, it would be like the perfect fit. And, I, I think they would have mad Boston respect can for win him. now. They have Al Horford, they have Isaiah Thomas, they have Jay, Jay Crowder, <laughs> Russell, so, Adam Russell, Russell Westbrook. You're a contender. So so let let's play a and, little. And I'm really sorry for interrupting. No you. no no. I absolutely. mentioned this in the last podcast. But they have so many assets. They yeah. could trade the Jalen Brown. They could okay. trade. That's that, that's one of my questions. They could trade their draft picks from Brooklyn, and they're a contender. So and OKC would be stupid not to do it. I, I and I think that's the direction they'll go if the trade goes. I think it's the direction that they would go. They would pick up those. They would pick up those draft picks. They would try to do a complete rebuild and, and just go from there. I think that's the best way. But you end up with a Boston team that is a contender in the East. If you add Russell Westbrook to that, they're already going to be a contender. They're going to be in the middle of the pack, probably three or four or five. Exactly. I think they're damn near at the top. If you had Russell into that, I think they're, play- like they're, they're two. I think they're two. I definitely think so, too. <laughs> OKC has realized that the writing was in the wall, and they're going to have to make a move. Yeah, like there's other teams that have to consider this now, and yeah. make these minor moves. That the Clippers have kind of made some minor, minor great moves to keep their core. Okay. Yep. But this might be the last season. Yeah. That that, that core and this is going to be also intact. might be like they're too late because they can't compete with the Spurs. They can't compete with Golden State. That's my so, honest so, opinion. So who stays? Who's the who's the franchise player? It for the Clips is it. Are they going to retain Griffin? Are they going to retain Paul? Are they going to retain DeAndre Jordan? I, you know, if if I were them, Chris Paul is the franchise player there, and th- that I think they continue to build around. I think Blake Griffin is going to offer. Blake Griffin was the other guy in the rumor mill that I've been yeah. hearing, and I think he's worth a lot. He's worth a lot to the right teams. I don't know. I don't think they're capable of playing ball at the the level that the West is at right now. They're the, yeah, they're not an elite team anymore. Even though they've kept the same. Roster, they are no longer the elite team. Yeah, and I'm of the opinion that they need to gut out right now. They need to trade everyone. <laughs> I should relay this to Steve Ballmer when I saw him the other night. So yeah, man. <laughs> um, 
you know, I think, you know, a Blake Griffin to the east, a CP3 to, like, New Orleans again, or some, some other team. Oh, like, CP3 to New Orleans. I love it so much. Yeah. I love it so, so, so much. I mean, I loved your Russell Westbrook to the Pelicans, but they yeah. can't do it, you know? So, no, they can't do it. They can't do it. Um, and DeAndre Jordan, you know, bless his soul. He's such, <laughs> a, he's such a great defensive player. He has no game. Yeah. And he's being paid, like, a trillionaire. Send him to the Kings. Send him to the Kings. Send, <laughs> send him to a, a hole in the wall, in the ground. And you know, I really feel like they needed they need to gut this team. And it's the unbiased opinion of it. If I was a biased hardcore Clipper fan, I think I would say the same thing because they can't compete. Yeah, they have a, such a great team. But then what happens in the playoffs? Yeah. You don't want to do it another one and done. No, you don't want to do no. another. They're, you know, get to the second round. No, I, they're, it'll be too. They're competing. They're competing at mid level. They're competing at mid level. Unfortunately, that puts them. If they're competing at four, that puts them in contention for running for running up against the Warriors as part of their route to uh, route through the playoffs. They don't stand a chance. Yeah. Um, okay. The the other segment I want to get into here is other kind of minor player movement. Any other any other players kind of running around? I think they're. I, I didn't see a ton of activity. It's it's kind of winding down after the fury that was the beginning. Yeah. What a fury that was, and <laughs> it was the greatest time to be a basketball fanatic and just hit you know hit F five on your computer and refresh the news. You know, <laughs> it's just, it was just like it was just like your movie you're happening just, every minute. It was going so fast with so many yeah, big yeah, names. Yeah. It's just like I haven't I haven't had that much fun just watching just watching free agency in any sport like that because I've never uh-huh. seen it go at that speed for anything else. So some other minor player movement. It was more like players got matched. So. You know, Brooklyn threw a bunch of money on people, yeah. and then they got matched by their respective teams, okay. which is crazy. And um, I don't know, like a Jeremy Lin to Brooklyn. That's like been happening, and yeah. you know, that's a very marketable player for them. Brooke, Lin, yeah. you know, Jeremy Lin. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a terrible just, pun. Just, that's a terrible pun. I'm please, sorry, for, dude. Please forgive Gee for that. Forgive Gee. Uh, yeah, so a, a little bit of a little bit of kind of player movement, basically at this point lineups are kind of settling and yeah. and we're we're just kind of getting into summer ball getting these draft picks getting some experience under their belts getting them training and yeah. then kind of filling those remaining holes as we build up you know we're building up through summer ball we're going in a few players will be going to the olympics and then we'll be kind of transitioning to preseason yeah man yeah and like what regular said, just coupling echoing your point about like filling these roster slots Anytime you have a slot, you can probably use a D-leaker or something from Summer League. So there's still a lot at play. And so, in terms of these little minor moves, but it's yeah. like nothing to really talk about. Um, okay, I, I think we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with our feature segment for today's Ride in the Pine. And that's going to be talking about the CBA. We are back here on Riding the Pine. We're going to dig into our feature segment this week. We're going to talk about the CBA. So one of the things that we saw in free agency this week was just the mass influx of money coming into the league. It is just incredible. 
All of this is led by a $24 billion eight-year national national TV deal. And that is just pouring money into the league. I think we're moving from seventy million to what is it, eighty-nine or ninety-four million, something like that. And they expect it to go even north from there. One hundred four million or something. One hundred four, one hundred eight. I've I've seen all kinds of numbers, but the, the amount of revenue in the league is climbing and climbing astronomically. Um, I think when they negotiated the CBA last time, I think it was like $3.8 billion in revenue. It's climbing to like five. It's, it, it's climbing to five, going up to like six. They expect the league could in a few years be worth $7 billion. It's just an incredible amount of money. But we're, we're basically at a very critical juncture in where the NBA is at because in 2011, we found ourselves in a lockout in a lockout scenario which we didn't even start the season and we only had what is it 66 games that season yeah. i think they lost like 700 million dollars as a result of that lockout right. so i think we're on like essentially a year long course prior to this lockout just to make sure everything is working everything's in place i think i think there are some major major changes and major kind of potential wranglings here with with the cba i think First and foremost, not every team in the NBA is making money. I think that's a that's a very interesting dichotomy to this like major revenue influx, but there are still, I believe, ten teams out of the thirty that are that are losing money. It's funny because uh, the rosters have yeah. a minimum to meet, a floor. Yeah. You have to pay the floor. Yeah. If you don't get to that threshold, you actually have to pay the players yeah. the remainder. Yeah. Distributed equally or something. Yeah, of course. So it's actually a benefit to meet the floor. Yeah, it's a benefit to meet the floor, and it's a benefit to 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 make sure you're under the maximum. Because yeah. if you're if you're over the maximum, you're paying that luxury tax. And I believe and that we have eight we have eight teams paying that luxury yeah. tax, and that's that's something like 145 million dollars between eight teams. That is now redistributed to the more small market right. teams. But the reality is that. The luxury tax has changed the course of basketball. Look at look at Mikhail Prokhorov's Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. I mean, completely changing the scope of the game just right. because of the excise tax that, that they're, they're paying paid. in the league. It's not only that, but it's the repeater tax. If you are consecutively over the cap, yeah. you are getting trashed on. Yeah, just, just crushed. It's probably five times... The tax, yeah. So I repeater year, and we have the Cavs, we have the Warriors, we have the Nets, we have certain yeah. teams that are over now, the cap. Now, 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 the one thing, the one thing, as I've read about this, that's that's interesting is we don't actually have as many teams violating the luxury tax as we once did. Yeah, earlier right. earlier on in the two thousands, I believe it was like upwards of like thirteen, fourteen teams. Yeah, but now we're we're down to eight or so. But the the impact that these teams have is pretty incredible. Like I believe that the Cavs are paying like sixty five million dollars over the tax, uh, which up up over the tax, which is which is pretty crazy. So and I believe that's without LeBron's deal. They haven't signed yeah. LeBron yet. Yeah. And he we talked about it briefly, but he could be a $35 million player and that's going to be $100 million in tax for Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, it's I I think it's just absolutely 
it's absolutely crazy kind of what what's happening here but i think we're hopefully we're on a road to coming up with a fair and equitable distribution of income amongst amongst the players and owners because in the last deal it basically brought the revenue sharing to a 49 like i believe it's 40 between 49 and 50 percent uh owner to owner to player ratio yeah which to me just seems very equitable um but yeah that's coming down from i believe like 57 percent in in the prior cba so there's there's just more money to be had here but i think I think what the NBA cannot handle is they cannot handle another lockout of this proportion. They are coming off just all-time high with the greatest regular season team in the Golden State Warriors. They're coming yeah. out with an incredible championship from the Cavs. Right. If they wreck what they've done, I don't know. It'll take them a decade to recover, if not longer. Fair so. point, man. And that's going to have to be that's going to have to be addressed. I think one of the things that we didn't see from the last CBA is we did not see the implementation of a hard cap limit for players. And I think that we we really didn't figure out what the guaranteed money situation was. So I think those two issues are still going to be very contentious in the next CBA negotiation. But there is more money. There is more money. So I think the, you know, to this earlier point, the earlier clip that we shared with with Adam's Adam Silver, I think that quality and equalness in contention um, is going to be one of the major points of discussion as you kind of get into this. It's like everybody still has the, you know, they can have 15 players and they can have, you know, the same rules around inactive players. And what, what you know, all of those rules are still standard, but the the high-end players, what those all those players kind of coming together and what impact they'll have. If somebody's, if a team is just willing to take on that that luxury tax, I mean, does it? They can kind of go for whoever they want to go for. That's right. But then, does it make that? Does it make it a better, stronger league with the so-called notion of a super team? I'm not so sure. I think um, parity is what we want. We want the New Jersey Nets or Brooklyn Nets yeah. or the Philadelphia 76ers to have. The same amount of fans, you know, income as the Golden yeah. State Warriors. Yeah. It's just not going to be that way. Yeah. It has to be kind of be redistributed. Yeah. But that would be ideal yeah. if there was parity across the league. But it just cannot happen because players are going to go where they want. Players are going to feel the situation, feel their market. Yeah. And get the max deal, get the best deal for them. Yeah, and you know, so so here's so this it's always going to be a really contentious point. So, so let's throw regardless out a, of a CBA. No, no, of, of course. But let's throw out a couple of crazy ideas. I, I want to throw out a couple of crazy ideas just in terms of the CBA and the league structure in general. One, there's 30 teams right now. Yeah. Is there too many teams? There was some actual talk about contraction. Um, a couple teams getting absorbed to 28 teams. Yeah. If anything, it should be 32 teams, but. Yeah, it just it, it would make sense for the playoffs. It would make sense for structure to have thirty two teams. But to me, this is kind of like a billionaire's ball, and they can continue to like they can they can kind of take losses on this against their other just enormous fortunes. You know, somebody like Ballmer can can 
just buy a team for two million two billion dollars and like he wants to make money on it. But God, I mean, he's he's what is he worth? Like forty billion dollars or something like that. Yes. I mean, so it's just like maybe it's just like the playground for the ultra rich that they're they're okay with some of these teams losing money. But if they if they have to be run more like businesses, I think contraction is is still inevitable. But if it if it if it runs outside of that and runs in this billionaire kind of fallacy market, I think that we I, I think that we can stay as is. We don't want another Seattle. We don't want no Seattle to be moved. We don't want a team to be contracted or owned no, by the no, NBA no. I, like the like the uh, New Orleans Hornets or now Pelicans. Yeah. We um, I I do think though that the sorry to interrupt that point, but I think the 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 one thing we don't want to see the contraction. But the one thing as as the NBA becomes a more global sport, that I think. It, it, it's inevitable that we'll see international teams added. Like there could easily be a team added in Mexico. I think there could there could potentially be a team in South America. Like it's I think it's possible. I'm not saying it's necessarily likely, yeah. but I'm saying as we continue to expand, the NBA is smart. The NBA is extremely kind of open, open minded, open minded about growth and about in a very opportunity. Manner, yes. That that I think will I think we'll find kind of new opportunities. But yeah, you know, um, I don't want to disagree with you. Um, no, feel free, feel free if you I, have because I feel like it, it's a very smart idea attempt. I don't think there will be a team. I think there could be uh, an associated league. Okay. It's NBA run, and, and and maybe that's the case. And maybe maybe that's... there's more international games being played. Maybe there's sure. showcase games like they have, you know, things in London, things in they have a game, an obligatory game in Mexico. Sure, you know, they might have some Chinese games with, uh, you know, I think they do that actually still. Sure. So there might be some more games at play, but it's at risk of, you know, the teams and themselves because they have to travel longer. They have to. Um, you know, be mindful of their home record is is skewed because their home game is now in China as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, Memphis. And we had an international market with Vancouver and Toronto. And Vancouver yeah. got moved to Memphis yeah, because it wasn't profitable, yeah. apparently. No, I and there are I, some teams in the red, but you take it because there are some teams that are doing so well for the league. Yeah. And there's always going to be this contentious point of how to grow the sport. They're growing it very mindfully without breaking bank you know like without yeah. putting a full squad in Europe and saying let's go no so so one of the things i, I want to propose another crazy idea is just do we see as as the team's salary caps continue to grow and and, and prosper especially into that 1 108 120 140 i whoever knows what whatever theoretical number we we end up hitting but you know as we get into that number do we actually do we actually kind of build the NBA into a better development system than we have today? I hope. Be- because I I think that's that's one of the things against baseball that the NBA has not done a great job on and that I think they well, because baseball has an excellent minor league system in, in terms of promoting people up to the up, up to the big I, leagues. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think the NBA does they do a, a job of just Bringing people down to the D League, but not necessarily back up. Now the exceptions are Tyler Johnson and some of the some of the, some of those other guys. But the, I think they they'll continue to look for assets they can kind of build and bring up all along the way, and continue to affiliate with that team or or the, those owners as they 
as they kind of go off and as the league kind of looks for new expansion. Okay, so good point. Awesome point, actually. Um, the D-League shouldn't be just like something like under your breath. It should be really invested. Yeah. There should be actual like salaries for these players yeah. because this is their life. Of course. They need to be paid and compensated for, and they're not getting a chance. They're only getting chances when it's like very minor salary, and then you know when they get into the league, they get a ten day contract. That's bullshit. Yeah, it's like these guys are just like throwing themselves on the line. Yeah, for a ten day contract. No, no, it's. I don't. I don't think there needs to be a reason to be in the D League, not just to be a product of you know of the failure of the NBA. Um, I love the point about the farm system and and, and the uh, MLB. They do it really successfully. Yeah, and, and it's, and it's the leagues for a very are long time. great. I hope there's a stronger impact on the and, and the, the development league. That you've seen some teams rise. It's like yeah. some uh, or the growth of the D league D league into like you know twenty teams or something. Even sure, now, sure. From what it was, the continued expansion, but really true player development to. Ensure that, hey, if you're not ready, kind of coming out of the draft, that we can still develop you as a player. We can still kind of catapult you into yeah. the league. And, and and I think with the amount of money, the amount of money we're talking about, that the NBA can make a substantial investment in player development post-college. And because the one the one thing I want I, I want to see is, I, like, I don't want to see kind of players – Flake out. I want to see players still given the opportunity to continue to grow, work on their game, and if they need a little bit more time after school, so they don't preemptively just jet for the NBA, that they continue to grow and develop in the D League, and that props them into the NBA and makes them a star. Fucking love it. I'll say this: one thing that I would love to see happen is that the one and done rule with college is a little. It kind of tarnishes education. It just says it puts yeah. a bad name. Yeah. It says education is worth less, which is which is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. If you are of talent, yeah, come to the NBA. Yeah, come straight from high school. I don't care. Yeah, if you're in college and you get a degree and you get drafted by the NBA, you should get paid more than. You know, coming out after one year, you should be rewarded for a degree. You should be rewarded yeah, that, for education. Boy, that's an interesting part. So it's that's... not it's not it's not scaled. It's not like the first pick makes ten million and the thirtieth pick makes three hundred thousand. Yeah. If you got a degree and you're the first pick, you get a percentage more. Okay, we'll throw that out there. We're also going to say that if you come straight from the NBA or straight from high school, to the NBA, yeah, you get less. You're a risk. Yeah, you're you're risk. You're just in terms risk. of development. In terms risk. of you're uh, of. Uh, not ability, but of like physical, yeah, physical talent Thank and you, physical man. prowess, and like you, you haven't gone against higher quality, probably higher quality players. Not not that's not saying that there isn't high quality talent in high school, but it it is not at the highest level. That you know why is. I say that though, because there was an Emmanuel Mudiay that skipped the system and went yeah. to China for a year and then came to the NBA. Yeah, there's a Thon Maker that was like, how old am I? I'm not going to college, and now yeah. I'm in the NBA. Yeah, there's a Ben Simmons. Who didn't want to go to college, wanted to go straight to the NBA, yeah. had to be in college, and actually dropped out of college yeah. and got into the NBA. So there's like so, some so, weird... so, it's, so it's kind of like it's reversing the course, but give, to your point, give incentive to the players that pursue their education. Or actually, you know, 
frankly, let let them come in and and, and find ways for them to even learn or just to yeah. educate them. Because the reality is this. The reality is this. If, if you bring in a player, Ben Simmons type player, and he's not educated, he's going into the system, there's millions and millions of dollars, he's going to get taken advantage of. 100%. He's going to get taken advantage of to the utmost extent because he doesn't have doesn't have basic business knowledge. He doesn't have kind of any of that any of that training post college. He's he's committed his entire life to basketball, but you you need to have an education to kind of make it. And the, the reality is this: the reality is that that basketball is as much about marketing and promotion right now as it is about the actual game. If you don't learn some of those fundamental skills, even though they may be boring, they may not get you those million dollars right away, I think that you're better off. What we've seen from LeBron and, and Curry and Durant, hundreds hundreds of millions, if not billion dollar deals, just in terms of what their brands are worth. Yeah. But if you if you come out and you sack your brand just for a one year opportunity to come in early and potentially not even be ready, I don't think that's I don't think that's what the what what the league wants. But if people are willing to take the risk, fine, let them. For every LeBron, you have a Sebastian Telfair. And that's all I'll say. Of course. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. I'm going to throw out another crazy idea. Love it. Another crazy idea on the When you told me, I was blown away. uh, On the CBA front. And I want to talk about the fact of that franchise player. So one of the things that we're we're seeing that I alluded to earlier is that we're seeing kind of an even split between owners and players in the NBA. But one of the things that, that I think that the league will actually gravitate towards is the notion of what we experience in in movies. Actors actors and actresses have the ability to potentially take a back end of the of the movie deal. And that ends up being really interesting for them because they're gambling on the success of the film. However, the films that pay off end up potentially millions if not billions of dollars so we have the jack nicholas type scenario he takes a back end of batman he ends up making hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars but he was a product of the success of that franchise and i think that i think that our superstar players one that if you if you brought them under this kind of franchise or legend status or whatever whatever you want to call it that they are a you know a multi-year all-star that you want to be part of your franchise that you can commit to having them and keeping them with a certain team by giving them a percentage of ownership. Now, the craziest part of the NBA is like it's it's like this notion of like a per hour a per hour pay job. It just happens that these people get millions, millions and millions of dollars. Of but the reality is that if they were a part of a startup, they would get an equity portion of the deal. And, and to me, it just makes sense. Your best players, I'm not saying everybody in the league because you don't need everybody in the league under this type of commitment. But the LeBrons, the Currys, the Durants, right. these guys are committed to potentially staying with one team for a very long period of time. Let them anchor into the system. Let them Let them be a product of the actual output and potentially bring the bring the salaries bring the salaries kind of even because i think the notion of the player owner is is coming i don't i don't know it may take a long time it may take a long time but like did you expect to see a billion dollar shoe deal i never i never really expected that so you ever see a lifetime deal from nike yeah yeah it's like it's crazy and there's so much money being thrown at these teams and these players rather and capitalize on it and it gives incentive to win. You're now a part of the ownership of the building of the team. Yeah. It's not just about the money. You're making all this money. Yeah. Win. Yeah, of course. It's about the game. It brings it back down to the game again. Yeah. So, 
Well, you know, I love that. I love th- that those are just some kind of crazy ideas for this week. But I really wanted to kind of dig into the CBA because the money was really flowing in this off season. I think we'll we're going to continue to revisit the notion of the CBA as we it's as gonna, we go along, kinda, you know, throughout the throughout the podcast. Yeah, it'll kind of uh, extend its its presence, not just now in the off season. Yeah, we'll see itself come out and play. Of course, the season yet. So you know what. Join us next week. Join us next week um, for our third episode of Riding the Pine as we continue to, to track more movement in the NBA as we can as we track more summer ball. We love this game. We hope you follow along. Follow us on Twitter at riding underscore the pine. Follow us at Vencast and visit us at VencastStudios.com. This is Hondo. I'm here with Guy. We're up? signing off. See you guys next week. Peace. Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.